This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree and a volunteer with Chapter 49. Uh, We are back with another week of uh, our NTEU Chapter 49 podcast. And as always, Duncan Giles is with me. And Duncan, I'd like you to introduce our guest for this week. Yep, we've got another great guest on our podcast. It's hopefully somebody that everybody is familiar with the name that's been around for a little bit. Uh, Former Chapter 49 Vice President and now National Area Vice President, Susan Wright. Good morning, Duncan. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for the invitation to participate in the Chapter 49 podcast. I'm really honored to be here today. Well, it's good to have you. It's good that's to have- a low bar. If you're honored, that's a low bar, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hey, we, well, hey, we you've we, already we, had President Reardon, so I feel pretty honored. Yeah, President Reardon seemed to enjoy being on. He wants to come back, and of course, you're always welcome to come back too. And we want to talk to Susan about many things happening at the national level. But before we do that, Duncan and I have a couple of news flashes. It seems this happens every week. Something happens just as we're preparing to record this. We're recording this on the morning of July the second, Thursday, just as we're heading into the long holiday weekend. Uh, but Duncan, I want you to talk about. Uh, a sad development, and we knew it was probably going to happen at some point. We have positive COVID-19 tests in Indiana. So tell us what you know. Yeah, I was alerted late yesterday that we had a contractor in the federal building, and they were only in the, quote, contractor's office uh, that had tested positive on June 28th. They hadn't been in the building since June 11th. So, you know, if anything had uh, happened or was going to happen, that pretty much would have taken care of it by now, the 17 days. Then just this morning, I was informed that down in Evansville, in the TAC, the walk-in area, uh, they had a positive uh, COVID test. Apparently, and these are folks that just came back on Monday, and here we are on Thursday. They apparently came back on Monday, took a test on Tuesday because they weren't feeling well, and then I uh, got the test results back uh, late yesterday. The sad part about this is, is I do know that an employee down there uh, had told their manager that they were high risk. And I don't know if they were impacted or not, but the manager wanted to uh, split hairs on the definition of high risk. And when it comes to that, we're not playing games at all. And I've, I've told employees that have had this type of issue to have the manager contact me because if you're under the CDC high-risk guidelines, and they do change, but if you are what they're calling high-risk right now, then you should not be reporting to the office. You should still be on weather and safety leave. And one other thing that has just broken here overnight, actually, from last night to today, is that uh, when, you know we're talking about leave issues that are coming up now, but we're still settling a case that happened during the last government shutdown on leave use or lose. Tell us what uh, has just happened there. Yeah, basically, we filed a grievance for people who had uh, properly taken their requested their leave according to the contract, which was within three pay periods of the end of the year. And because they, uh, because the IRS was in a little bit of a mess and we had the government shut down for a couple of months, 
they weren't able to get all those taken care of. We had to file the grievance. They had worked through most of the names on the list, and we just found out that they had finished. They just finished completing, uh, taking care of everybody that had requested the leave properly to get that leave restored to them. So the, the key message from that is, is always get your leave in by the time that it needs to be. So in case something like a shutdown happens or another pandemic, your leave is going to be covered if need be. Okay, with that said, uh, I'm going to turn this over to you and uh, Duncan, uh, just you and Susan, talk about uh, what's happened nationally. Okay, but as always, Larry, please feel free to, uh, to chime in. Susan, uh, what's your overall take from, from your view of where you're dealing with things? Well, I think that, you know, my view is how much work that each of these chapter, the chapter presidents are doing. For those of you who don't know, um, District 2, I'm a national vice president for District 2, which covers like a lot of states, Indiana, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, our neighbors, Ohio and Michigan, also some D.C. chapters. So each chapter is unique, of course, with the, the different types of employees that they have. But I think none of us are unique in the fear and the concern that we have for our employees. Um, I think that the big issues that I'm seeing are, are probably the same that you're seeing right here is the, the thought of the going back to work, especially those with young children or children at home, um, you know, schools were let out, people who their kids were normally in school or in daycares, daycares closed. Now, if these people are starting to come back to work now and there's these issues of what do I do with my children because either my daycare is closed or my, they're no longer in school. And, and I think that's one of the, the big issues that we're dealing with. Um, you know, that's a side issue of the whole, is the office clean? Is How are we going to contact taxpayers? But I, that's one of the bigger issues that I've heard about is the concern about childcare and how do we get back to work without having that available? I, I think you're probably dealing with that, especially at the call site, aren't you, Duncan? Uh, it's all over the place. It's, it's every division right now. And as we both know, uh, National President Tony Reardon and uh, the folks that are handling this forum are uh, National Chief National Negotiator Ken Moffitt and Tony's assistant Doreen Greenwald, a former chapter president up in Wisconsin, are uh, both pressing the IRS at every chance to see what can be done for employees, because it is a huge issue. What what do you do with the kids? The daycares are closed. Um, you know, schools are out. There's not camps you can send them to. Um, it's it's a bad situation right now. If if people are able to telework, that makes it not good but manageable. But you know what happens if we have to start you know, going into offices or going out to audits or going to uh, collect money uh, as ROs do. That's going to complicate this in a huge, huge manner. And how do you choose between your job and your children? Right. And I think that that, that transitioning back to work is, is very fearful for a lot of people. And different states are in different stages of that. And um, I know you've talked about in past weeks other service centers and places that have had issues as soon as they 
you know, started to transition back into the office. I think the big key with NTEU national offices, they're having these weekly um, contacts with IRS, um, all the divisions, trying to get answers to our questions and to bring issues forward. I think that's been helpful. Um, maybe we don't always get the answers we want as quickly as we want, but I do think that just knowing that we have that weekly contact, it, it has been extremely helpful for all of us. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that sometimes, uh, especially when they know that they're going to be pressing questions, some of the divisions <laughs> tend not to show up for those particular phone calls just because they don't want to give uh, answers uh, right. to questions. Like right. the latest one on Tuesday where uh, I know that we're pressing, we keep hearing the, the July 15th date uh, about that they're going to start, field folks are going to start you know, doing audits again, going out, doing collection, things of that nature. IRS, as I'm sure you've seen and heard too, Susan, is basically saying, well, we, we are thinking about this or we're looking at this, but it hasn't been okayed yet. Well, if it's not okayed, why are frontline managers telling their employees to be ready for this? Why are we pushing for that 15th date exactly when we really don't have an okay on it? Yeah, I, I and you know the latest call that SBSE wasn't able to be on. What a shocker! Because they don't want to answer the hard questions. Gee, it's only once a week. You'd think they could like make it work. If uh, I could, can I? If I can jump in for a second, if uh, I want to, I want to say something to Susan because Susan, I was just thinking last night when I was uh, making some notes on this this podcast or recording this morning. I believe it was the late '80s. Didn't you and I start? As stewards at the same time, weren't we both appointed by George Bilkey at about the same time? Absolutely. Yeah, we. I remember uh, we both uh, started out, and I were probably a few of the people who uh, out, actually have been involved in union activities longer than Duncan. That takes quite a bit, you know. <laughs> but I want to ask yeah. you. I want to ask you about something that uh, goes across all the agencies that NTEU represents, and I'm sure many of the meetings you go to is not just about IRS or about. Homeland Security and a whole list of agencies that that IRS, uh, not IRS, but NTU represents. We have an election coming up, and and you know we want to make sure this podcast is people can listen to it during work if as if they want to as they're working. So we don't want to uh, cross a line here, but let's talk about voter registration. There is a very important election coming up, and and uh, people are entitled to vote, and you have to register before you can vote. And what will NTEU be doing in that regard? Well, I am so happy that you brought that up, Larry. Obviously, this election is very important, but the first step in that process is to register to vote. And I know people think that, you know, oh yeah, whatever. But if you haven't voted in a while or you've moved or, you know, you don't, you just don't know if you're registered, it's important to find out. And now's a good time to do that. Um, you know, you, you can go um, online to indianavoters.com to find out if you're registered. And that indianavoters.com site will actually allow you now to register right online. You don't have to go to a BMB or a um, county clerk's office. You can register right online. And in Indiana, you have until October 5th to register to vote. So you've got a little time, but I'd say go ahead and do it now <clears throat> so you don't forget. Um, you can register to vote, then that just happened July 1 that you could actually start to do it online. So I think that's pretty great. 
And then you can also register um, through October, through early October, to get um, an absentee ballot. If you know that you can't get to a brand, you know, voter site or don't think during this pandemic time you want to be going to a voter site, same place you can register right online to to get your absentee ballot so you don't even have to go to the polls. Um, and, you know, I talk about that's the first step in the process. The, the next step in the process is once you get registered, you got to be sure to vote. And and why, you know, you got to vote because you, you've got to take care of yourself and your family and your life. So it's just really important to educate yourself on the candidates and um, make sure that you know who's going to take care of your needs and but. Let's let's get registered. So that's indianavoters.com is the is the first step in that process. And and one thing that you need to keep in mind is that uh, uh, county clerks sometimes have a tendency to purge. They're allowed to purge voter registrations if you haven't voted for a while. So you know, you, that indianavoters.com that's very important because that's a way for you to verify whether you are currently registered. To verify that, some people think they're registered, they may not, but you can verify it there. And if you need to, you can do it right there as well. So. All good, very good points there. So, uh, you know, just we're not telling you who to vote for. We might we might later off of work and within the rules, but uh, we're uh, we're just right at this point making sure you're eligible to vote. You cannot vote unless you register, even though you have some time. Hey, now while you're, while you're thinking about it, might be one of the best times to to do that. Any uh, any further thoughts on that uh, issue, Duncan? Um, no, I think it's just it's it's critically important. I always think it's critically important to vote. Period. Uh, this election, as much as any uh, for federal employees, is going to to matter. Uh, national NTU, and I'm sure here locally, we'll be doing some informational things uh, so you can be educated about, you know, how uh, how to make sure that you vote with your own interests in mind. Not mentioning any candidates, parties, anything of that nature. But, um, you know, you want to you want to just make sure you educate yourself and we'll be assisting with that process. Duncan, I'm going to ask Duncan at this and Susan, you're welcome to chime in later. But uh, Duncan and I last week talked extensively about the taxpayer assistance centers near and dear to my heart for reasons I won't get into again. I got into it last week. But uh, these taxpayer assistance centers are, are going to be opening up over the next several weeks. You know, one thing, uh, we, there's been a briefing uh, by IRS to NTU since you and I talked last, Duncan, and one of the issues we talked about was what a sneeze guard was going to be. You know, I go to some of these, uh, you know, I go to my grocery store or Costco, and then I go to uh, I go to the, the pharmacy, and they've got these big, long uh uh, plexiglass things with openings in them to, to do so that you, you're not face to face with the employee and the customer. My understanding is this so-called sneeze guard is two feet high. Is that correct? That would be correct. So tell us what we know about the tax reopening. Um, yeah, when we're talking about the sneeze guards, you know, some sometimes you have to sit there and I read these briefings and I'm sure Susan, you do too. And you look at me and you just shake your head and going, okay, really? This is this is what they've come up with? Um, you know, these sneeze guards will go great in a model tack for, you know, for very low, when you're sitting at a very low uh, desk angle. Unfortunately, in Indiana and also across the country, 
a lot of our tacks aren't model tacks. They haven't been remodeled. These sneeze guards are not going to, plastic barriers, whatever you want to call them, are not going to help that much. And so, you know, we've said, we've asked uh, W&I, Wage Investment of IRS, what can we do to try and, you know, address the concerns to make sure that the employees are going to be safe? Um, and the and W&I has said unequivocally, and I love that, that if they can't ensure employee safety, they'll not open the tax. Now, who's going to determine employees ensuring employee safety? That scares the heck out of me. Well, they're that, going to make sure yeah. that you know that the employees are going to be you know, six feet away from the taxpayers. How are you going to ensure that? How are you going to stop people from coming in with their children? I know that they say the guards will try and do that, but I don't think the that's the guard's job or that they're going to be equipped to be able to do that. You know, Susan, you and I uh, worked on tax before you were a commissioner's representative for your uh, post of duty in Lafayette. And I was a tax manager there for a while. We talked a lot about uh, tax issues at, at various times. Tell me your reaction when you saw the notes from uh, the meeting IRS had with NTEU about the reopening of tax. Um, I felt like I felt like there was a big disconnect there because, as Duncan just said, these aren't model tax. I mean, the model has a certain, you know, desk, a certain barrier. And, yeah, that's great. But so many of the tax are not those model tax and that won't work. It's no different than the post office or anywhere else. Just to give you a funny example of. I was in a post office early on when COVID started and it was a small post office and you know, it, it, it was an older building and they had actually hung a clear plastic shower curtain from the ceiling down to the counter, put a slit in it to slide your package through. But I thought, you know, they were at least trying to do something and, and it, it was working for them. But I think that we we're going to have to be a little more, um, proactive in, in determining what works for the for the different tax. And and like Duncan, I think each of the chapter presidents are going to have battles on their hands in tax that they're not being protected to make sure that they do get protected. I think uh, the big issue here is that uh, when I saw that briefing, the notes on the briefing, it appeared that the national picture on this is we're going to treat everybody the same. Whereas exactly. all of, and all of us know that these 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 setups, these situations at every single office, be they big or small, are all vastly different, and one size will probably not fit all. So, Duncan, I think that's what Susan's saying. You know, you're going to have to battle in every single. How many do you have? Is it ten t uh, taxpayer assistance centers in Indiana? I've lost count. Uh, I believe it's now eight. It's now eight. Um, so you have eight. You've got eight different uh, taxpayer assistance centers, all with different setups. You're going to have to basically fight a battle with each one, aren't you? Ex exactly. So we're going to have to sit there and say, okay, because what works well in Terre Haute is not going to work well for Merrillville. That's not going to go for what's happening in Evansville. That won't be the same as Indianapolis. They're all going to be slightly different. And we're going to need to figure out a way to effectively take care of the taxpayers. But more importantly to me is to protect the employees to make sure that 
we're doing everything we can to protect them, especially when we're not seeing a flattening of the curve in COVID. We're, you know, Indianapolis, Indiana as a whole is doing better. It's still not good. It's better. But all it could take is a drop of a hat and that could change as well. And we don't want to put any of our employees in harm's way. We want to protect them as much as possible. And it should be noted that although Indiana's situation is good for now, we hope it stays that way, but you never know. Our Evansville office, for example, is right near Kentucky and Illinois. Our Terre Haute office is right on the line with Illinois. Illinois is a state that's got some issues. Uh, and and Merrillville is another one that's very close exactly. to Illinois. So you know it's it's not like we're all just in good shape. It's 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 a little more complicated than that. And Duncan, you and I in future podcasts will be watching this very carefully and talking more about it. I want to ask Susan this first. I was seeing uh, we have, we have a, a a Facebook page, and I posted a story yesterday from one of the I think it was Federal News Radio or one of the sources we use for Federal uh, Employee News where the commissioner went before Congress and said, everything's going to be up and running by July the 15th. When you, <laughs> when you saw that, Susan, tell me your reaction. I, I thought there was some different reality there going on. I, I, you know, it's a great, it's a hope, it's a prayer, but I, honestly, it's not reality because how can everything be up and running when there's, so many employees that are not going to be able to, to go back to work because of being high risk or, and I know that we're very behind IRS wise in the work that we're doing. Um, there are other agencies behind as well. Um, you know, then there are agencies within NTU that have continued to work nonstop because of the, the type of work that they do. So, but as far as IRS, I, I, I just don't see it, and I, I don't know why someone would say that. Yeah, and Duncan, there's still going to be some people on weather and safety leave, even if everybody else is in. Are there? That's, <laughs> well, no, we'll, that's, I'm, I'm like, that's the key question. Are they going to say, as of July the 15th, okay, now we're doing an all-skate, and we're going to be pulling everybody off of weather and safety leave? We don't know. They have not given us an answer on that. We would hope that there would still be uh, people, especially in areas where it's higher risk uh, and the cases are spiking, that folks will still qualify for weather and safety leave. But I think it's entirely possible that they will call people back on uh, July 15th, even if they are in a high risk category. Let me stay with you, Duncan, because uh, another issue, you've already alluded to this, but I want you to talk a little more about it, and I want Susan's uh, take on this as well. Uh, we've, we're still trying to figure out the definition of high risk. It's, mo it's a moving target. The uh, Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, has uh, been a little more specific about what is and isn't high risk. We did talk about this last week. Um, give me some bullet points. What should people know about this? Yeah, it, 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 you phrased it exactly correct, and it's a moving target. Just because I think that the more that um, the medical and scientific community learns about COVID, what what it reacts to, how it impacts people in different uh, in different groups, that they are trying to focus that more and narrow it down on what is considered high risk. Now they've got at the CDC, they've got, okay, this is high risk. 
and this may be high risk. And right now the IRS is taking a look at only what is high risk, not what might be high risk. And so it's very important to make sure that when people are saying, hey, I'm high risk, so I'm going to claim weather and safety leave, that you make sure to check out the CDC guidelines. And if you're not sure where to find it, contact me. I'm more than happy to send you a link because it does change often to make sure that you still do qualify. I've had people come to me and say, well, I have high blood pressure or I live with somebody who's high risk. Neither one of those qualifies. Uh, so it's like you said, it's a moving target that we need to make sure that people are being aware of so that they can make the right choices for them. And Susan, I know this is a discussion at the national level as well. Uh, what are, are what of our national people, are, I assume the biggest issue here is what's going to happen uh, at the point when the IRS starts questioning these self-certifications. Are you just sort of bracing yourself for what's coming next? Because from what I'm seeing, the uh, IRS hasn't shared a lot of information about that. I think you're absolutely right, Larry. And I think that, as Duncan said, um, the more people that start to come back to work or who indicate they are unable to come back to work, I think our, our NTEU chapter is going to get really, really busy in the next couple of weeks here. <clears throat> and I think that one of the things that Duncan also mentioned, I think it's interesting that they really, CDC really has sort of modified their list. So the, the list of at risk is really quite short now compared to what it was. So I think that some people are thinking I'm definitely at risk. And if they go back in and look at the modifications to um, the CDC guidelines, they'll find that they don't maybe fall into that same category that they once did. So I, I think that that's going to be important for people to, to be aware and get that information so that they know, you know what it is they're dealing with. Susan, let me stay with you for, for this question and bring Duncan in later because you have a, a more of a national view on this. We used to call them service centers. We call them campuses. I just call them places where a lot of people work <laughs> and uh, places like, uh, you know, Ogden, Utah and Fresno, California and Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we are very concerned as, an, as a union from everything I'm seeing, all the traffic I'm seeing. With all those people working in close proximity, some are several buildings. Most of them are more than one building, but there are a lot of people in each of those buildings. What about this whole issue about possible spikes and confirms COVID spikes in these campuses, service centers, these large places where IRS people work? What are you hearing? Uh, basically, just that, you know, we're continuing to monitor it and watch it. And there's continual cleaning. There's things like that going on but i think that at, you know if those spikes continue ntu definitely will be continuing to raise that issue with irs and you know talk about if if we need to change something a lot of this goes back to that whole telework thing too we need to make sure that we continue to allow people to telework as much as humanly possible and get the equipment so that people can telework and do their jobs outside of those um, federal buildings. Duncan, anything to add to that? Yeah, the first off on the equipment, that's an excellent point because we do have a lot of people that want to telework, but we simply can't get them the equipment. It's funny because the laptops don't appear to be a problem. Uh, you know, ethernet cords and headsets 
are apparently an issue, which you wouldn't think would be the problem, but it is. And so we need to make sure to build on that. Uh, it's it's just a huge issue. I mean, you're seeing it more and more in, in service centers. Like you said, Larry, there are thousands of people working together in separate buildings sometimes, but still a lot of people in close connection. And, you know, they're going to to have cases. I mean, that's inevitable when you have people, especially that aren't wearing their masks properly or at all times, social distancing can be a problem depending upon the type of job that they're doing. If they're not moving the way the arrows are indicating for how you're supposed to walk in a building. And then you take a look at something like the Atlanta service center that now has a rodent infestation. I don't know who had that on their what what is going to happen next in 2020 in July board, but apparently rodent infestation in Atlanta is now, you know, overtaking murder hornets or Sahara death storm. Yeah, and that's and people are still working in that building. That's the uh, exactly. shocker. Yeah, I, we're running out of time. So, Susan, I want to ask you one thing, because one of the important uh, responsibilities of a job like yours, area national vice president, is you keep an eye on on the budget. And uh, I know we've talked and Duncan and I have talked and, and having been a past vice president of the chapter and you have too, that we in Indiana, we have always watched our money very, very carefully and tried <clears throat> to spend it as wisely as possible. But most of the dues money that the members pay does go into the national union. Talk about how, how you watch that, the money that comes in and how, how you decide to spend it. And that, and that, just a general idea of how that process works. Sure. Um, National, the National Executive Board, which is made up of the National President, National Executive Vice President, and the 15 um, National MVPs, we meet biannually, and when we meet biannually, the budget is always on the agenda. Um, we always review the budget and what we're spending our money on, and uh, I have to tell you that our current staff and as always NTU staff has been are very vigilant about spending uh, dues money and that it's spent to take care of members needs you know we have a lot of attorneys on staff we spend a lot of time on um, in court as well as we have a lot of negotiators that for all the different agencies so all that money you know we look at spending it and only on what's good for the members. Um, and again, that's, that's something that's on our agenda every single meeting. And um, I, I will tell you that we had our first um, virtual meeting in um, April, which the National Executive Board had never done before. And we did do a virtual meeting. And that was about, uh, I don't know, like five hours, I think. <laughs> but we got through it. So uh, everything changes with the pandemic. So I assume, again, I assume five hours is a long time for a meeting. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, On Zoom, did, yeah. <laughs> we, we did shorten it. We did shorten it from what it normally is when it's face-to-face. But we tried to get it all done in one day. And uh, we, we got it done. So we, we made it work. Well, I wish we could talk longer. Duncan and I just uh, were uh, going back and forth the last couple of days. I think we could probably do a three-hour podcast. We probably put everybody to sleep, unfortunately, <laughs> because that's a long podcast. Uh, but it's, uh, there's so much going on, and we will continue to keep everybody up to date uh, on our Facebook page, which is 
you know, NTU Chapter 49, Indiana, if you want to find it there. We update that regularly. We're here every week with a podcast. Susan, thank you so much. You've really added a lot uh, to our podcast, and I thank you for taking the, the time and effort to join us. Thanks a lot for the invitation. I appreciate it, and I listen every week, so I always look forward to what's, what's, what's next. And, uh, Duncan, any parting words before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, a couple of quick points. First off, on uh, printers for folks who are teleworking and do not have an individual printer, uh, NTU is continually raising this, especially since IT says, oh, no, you can't use your printer at home. So, you know, we've said if people are teleworking, they need to have the proper equipment. Printer is one of them, and IRS is going to discuss it with IT and get back with us. So I'm holding my breath on that one. Um, lastly, I hope everybody has a great and safe 4th of July holiday. And if you're listening to this after the holiday, I hope you had a good time. Please, please, please be aware of COVID. Wear masks if you're going to be out. Social distance if it's outside of your normal family or friends bubble that you've been with to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and be respectful of everyone. You know, when you hear a phrase, if you think black lives matter doesn't apply to you or it shouldn't matter to you or you don't care about it, ask an Amer African-American friend and they'll tell you why it should matter to you. Uh, very well said. And unfortunately, we have to end on that note. Uh, Susan, Duncan, thank you so much. Everyone, yes, I will add to that. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Be safe in your practices. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another Chapter 49 podcast.